A guten Tag and welcome to the 24th episode of the Film Literates podcast, your home for uninformed, unfiltered, ill-advised movie talk. Wow, that that was pretty bad <laughs> starting it off that way, huh? That's not bad. It's not terrible. I mean, you could have done a better job since um, you are German, right? Yeah, maybe. It's in your blood, man. It's in your blood. <laughs> sure. So, as you kind of guessed, uh, we're the crew of Film Alerts. Joe's not with us today, so today I will be your host, uh, Nathan Stone, and uh, with us today is Alexander Patton. Hello, everyone. How's it going? So, Alex, I have a question for you. Yes. What can be more fun than making fun of Hitler and Nazis? I'd say nothing. That's great fun. <laughs> How about kicking Hitler out of a window? That was That's great. That's that, even better. Exactly. So if you hadn't guessed, like satires revolving around the Third Reich is nothing new to Hollywood history. And now Takia Watiti brings his own jab with Jojo Rabbit, a whimsical coming-of-age story about a Hitler youth trying to find out where he fits into this you know, world of his fellow Nazi comrades. All the while, he's torn between trying to impress his imaginary friend, Adolf Hitler, and the winning the trust of uh, Elsa, a Jewish girl hiding in his mother's wall. So Alex and I watched the movie, and we're here to draw yep. comparisons with the film with its other movies that have made fun of Hitler in the past, and see if uh, this movie succeeded, or if even if it's necessary to make fun of Nazis anymore. Yeah. But before we get into any of that, let's start off by talking on what we've watched this past week, or what mm-hmm. we did. So, Alex. All right, well. Well, I was going to say I was going to go first this time. Oh, okay. I Not you. I think you're telling me, Alex, go ahead. Like, Joe always makes me go first anyway. Well, yeah, but that's Joe. Yeah, okay. I'm going to be selfish this time All and, right. and you, take the you spotlight. Go ahead then. Be my guest. Okay. Well, with Disney Plus coming out in a few weeks and, you know, Netflix is trying to strategize its upcoming content and how is it going to mm-hmm. keep viewers reeled in, I decided to watch the latest season of BoJack Horseman. It's Ooh. on its sixth season now. So wow, already. It's, yeah, it's it's been going for a while but the the creators are doing something interesting with this they split it up into two sections so we've only gotten like eight episodes for this season but they're going to release it next year in january for the remainder of the season huh and i think this is their way of just drawing out the show because right now this is going to be their last season for bojack the writers have already made it very bluntly obvious that they don't want to continue the show after the season so Right now, the vibe I'm getting from the show is it's kind of trying to tie up loose ends. They're coming to an end, so there's nothing new being presented, Okay. which kind of makes it feel like it's a lot of filler episodes. Like, there's not a lot of stuff happening. Yeah. It's the comedy's kind of lacking, but we're seeing growth in the characters. We're seeing some things that are coming to good conclusions, so... I'm kind of expecting that, although maybe a lot of people are going to say, man, why is this show sucking now? Yeah, I mean, I mean that's kind of a problem. There, I mean, filler episodes are kind of two-sided in that it's a filler episode. Mm-hmm. It's obviously not going to be, like, kind of generally as good mm-hmm. as a lot of, like, the main storyline. Mm-hmm. But what I think filler episodes do and what kind of a lot of people don't really appreciate about them is that they really do help build characters up. Yeah, it's it's just they've helped flesh out more flesh out the characters you're watching a lot more as you kind of get a better understanding of them and everything like that. So I generally, you know, filler episodes aren't, in my opinion, aren't terribly bad. Yeah, and not to say like there's just filler going on in these shows. Mm-hmm. It's kind mm-hmm. of more of just like 
we don't get as many of the antics that the characters are always like throwing themselves into because yeah. they were being stupid or foolish or they let their addictions get in the way. We're seeing them kind of like changing their habits. And as we kind of know, when that happens, you see a little bit better just decision making going on. Yeah. And that's not exciting TV. But I'm kind of seeing it's it's kind of it's taking a different turn. I'm kind of liking this turn. I'm gonna see where it goes because it left on a cliffhanger. So, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. So that's one thing I watched. The other thing I ended up watching was uh, this Korean film that came out from Bong Joon Ho, the same guy who did Snowpiercer, called Parasite. Oh yeah, and yeah, I heard that's I, really good. Yeah, I'm gonna try to give a synopsis without giving anything away. So. Parasite follows the lives of two families, the Kims and the Parks. While the Parks live a life of luxury and in excess, the Kims have to live underneath a basement in the worst part of their town. When their son is given the chance to tutor the eldest daughter of the Park family, he hatches a plan which may get them into a better life. I'm not going to lie. I think this is my favorite movie of 2019. Oh, wow. That's bold of me to say it, but I was completely enthralled and just excited about watching this movie. I I've, mean, I've heard that from a couple people, actually, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's hitting me with comedy, drama, just uh, social commentary, and just good horror elements as well. Like, I, I would never assume this guy was excellent at horror, but he manages to wedge it in, and it's brilliant how it's done. Um, but no, if anyone's not seen or heard this movie, I'm going to say I think it's already getting Oscar buzz right now. Like, it's not even, like, out of theaters yet. But a lot of people are raving about this movie, and I can't stress enough. I think if you guys like like uh, situational, like dark comedies, this is a good one to see. Sounds like it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it's there's there's just a lot of it. I can't really unravel, but there's some good stuff in it. Um, Bong Joon Ho is really kind of just showing he's like a master at his craft, and I've never seen a, a movie just entertain me so much on both levels so well. So if anyone's not seen or heard of this movie, I highly recommend go check it out. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, Alex, you may go. Okay. All right. Well, um, so in addition to watching Jojo Rabbit this week, we also watched The Lighthouse. We went to see The Lighthouse together. Yes, we did. Um, so we're not going to get into it too much right now. We do have an episode that's in the works right now. Yep. One with Joe. With who- Joe as well. Yeah. Um, so we're not going to kind of get into it, not spoil too much savor our thoughts and real interesting takes until the uh till till that episode comes out but just to give you an idea for me i i enjoyed it Mm -hmm. it's definitely weird definitely out there for sure but i thought the acting was great stories interesting um and i i to be honest even with that with it being as weird as it was uh you know i still found it engaging and enjoyable I'm trying to think. You you haven't seen much of Roger Eggers' work. You haven't seen The mm-hmm. Witch, right? No, no, I haven't. Okay, I mean, I'm I'm seeing his trademarks now in his style of uh, filmmaking, and I think it's it's good stuff. I think it still mm-hmm. catches people off guard, but I'll admit, when I first saw it, I I was confused. I thought it was talking about one thing, and then seeing it again, I was like, okay, it makes a little bit more sense. Still <laughs> confusing. Yeah, I can bet. I mean, it, this is definitely one of those movies. If you guys are planning on go seeing it. Come in prepared because yeah. it's going to hit you with a whole boat of weirdness. Oh, yeah. It'll mess with your head quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but I think other than that, I, I haven't really been watching anything new. Um, well, what about anime and YouTube? You know? Yeah, you, got- you know. Oh, I was, uh, I mean, again, still nothing new on the anime front. Uh, still going to watch the latest episode of Fire Force that came out yesterday. But um, for YouTube, I was watching the, um, 
I what were they in? I think the semifinals now for Worlds, which is the League of Legends mm. World Championship. Um, I myself have never played League. I just never something I got into. Uh, and this is kind of the first time that I'm actually watching the pro scene, but it's fat. It's so cool. It's interesting. I've watched videos and stuff like that a little bit here and there, so I can at least kind of follow along. I'm still learning, like, you know, different abilities and whatnot. Like, I finally figured out what flash means, which is like a short teleport for a player that they have on cooldown. So I'm getting there. You know, I think the casters obviously kind of make it more uh, enjoyable just because, you know, they're hyping everything up. So even if you're not completely familiar with exactly what everything does, you can still kind of get a general sense of what's going on and really just get caught up in the moment along with kind of everyone else. You know, you can hear the crowd roaring in the background whenever something happens or whenever this, uh, you know, one champion or another gets gets away just at the last second. So it's, it's exciting. Um, I was watching last night. I was watching it was Invictus Gaming and as FPX. I can't remember exactly what their name stands for. Again, still new to the league. But I fortunately didn't catch the end of that, that series. I had to go to sleep because they're broadcasting from uh, Madrid. So it was like they started at like 5 o'clock in the morning. So by that time, I was like, all right, I got to I watched a game and a half or so. And then I got to go to sleep. I know. Yeah, there's so much time you can dedicate to that. All right, uh, Alex, have you watched anything else? Nah, that's about, about it. Just okay. playing Destiny still, too, though. That's okay. It. And you guys are doing pretty good with the rankings on that, you and your friends? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. The, um, uh, what was it? The News Dungeon came out the uh, beginning of this week. Beat that. That was fun. Uh, so now it's just kind of grinding and playing the Halloween event that's going on um, up until, I think, like next week or so. So it's just been doing that. And nothing really new or crazy to note, just... Just grinding away, man. That's it. I'm trying to find a way to stretch this out because this is the shortest time we've ever done one of these segments. <laughs> well, we don't have Joe, yeah, who that goes is true. on for like 30 minutes. Yeah, we just give him a 30 minutes of just all the movies he's watched. Yeah. Whereas you and me were just like, uh, yeah, we watched that. We're done. Yeah, we have uh, a two-minute limit. Yeah, that, that we watched that, and then we watched that, and then we watched that. That's it. Yeah, not to say we're you know time Nazis just to be on fitting with the subject, <laughs> but we kind of uh, – we're, we're, we're punctual. We're yeah. punctual. All right, well, if that's it, um, let's get into our main topic for the evening, which is Jojo Rabbit. His master Jojo, you're a top man. Prepare to leave the house. Today, you boys will be involved in such activities as war games, <laughs> ambush techniques, and blowing stuff up. I don't think I can do this. Russ, of course you can. Abaddon comes to. When I was your age, I had an imaginary friend. Got me in so much trouble. Kids, it's time to burn some books! Yeah! You're growing up too fast. Ten-year-olds shouldn't be celebrating war and talking politics. Hi, Hitler. I wish more of our young boys had your blind fanaticism. <laughs> So if anyone's not familiar with uh, Titi, he's obviously the guy who brought us um, such interesting, satirical, like lighthearted movies like Hunt of the Wilder People and the best Thor movie to hit the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Ragnarok. Mm -hmm. So he's been given a chance to make a movie about uh, Hitler youth and kind of a whimsical look at one boy whose name's Jojo as he tries to find his place in the world and 
it's kind of a nice coming of age story where he has to make decisions of, you know, does he follow the rest of the crowd of his friends and comrades or is he going to follow what his mother has always kind of brought him up to live by? Mm -hmm. So let's start with our initial reactions. Uh, Alex, I remember yeah. way back, this was one that you were kind of talking about and you wanted to us to watch it. So let's start with you first. I thought it was decent. Uh, I wasn't completely enamored with it. I enjoyed it. Like, not to say it's a bad movie at all. Um, and I thought it was fun. The comedy's on point. The Everyone acting in it is, like, is honestly stellar. But it didn't wow me as much as I kind of had hoped it would. I guess when I started watching it, I was hoping he would more spend more time at the camp and it'd be like a fun camp movie. So you're hoping but, a lot more like Moonrise Kingdom kind of like. Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Moonrise Kingdom kind of deal. I was, I was, you know, at the start of it, I was, when he goes to the camp, I was hoping for more of that. Mm -hmm. A little disappointed that that, did, that ended pretty quickly, but it was still a fun segment. Um, overall, though, it was still still fine. I wish he kind of interacted more, or the, the kid Jojo kind of interacted more with the, I guess, outside world, outside of, mm -hmm. you know, everyone in his house, and then just the, like, I guess, the soldiers that... You know, he was working, quote unquote, with. You know, that's actually something I was kind of thinking about because you're right. Like I was kind of hoping or thinking, you know, based on the trailers, we would get a lot more um, just scenes with him in the Hitler youth camp. Yeah. And like seeing them do the activities. But that's like only in the first 10 minutes of the movie. And then as soon as that's mm -hmm. done, we're kind of taken out and we just follow him in this, his streets of his German town as he's trying to, you know, meander and figure out what do I do? Yeah. But I think there's a purpose to that. I think like a big part of the movie is choices and the consequences of those choices yeah. and we'll get into this later in the podcast but i kind of think it was intentional that he was taken out of the youth camp so early on first off we have the you know there's that early scene where uh he is put on the line to actually you know kill a rabbit yeah and immediately he is ridiculed by everybody in his camp so it, it doesn't even mm -hmm. matter if he tries to redeem himself which he tries mm -hmm. he's already been kind of like outsed by everyone in his community there. Pretty much, yeah. So it didn't make sense to keep him there. There was no reason to him to try and impress anybody. I guess. I mean, it might have been nice to just kind of see him stay there mm -hmm. and sort of get a um, you know a bit of like a redemption arc. Mm -hmm. But I guess that that wouldn't have really worked out in the end because mm -hmm. the redemption arc that he would have gone on to be able to impress anybody, everyone would have been to turn into like a full-fledged Nazi. So. Mm -hmm. Probably not the yeah not the best route to take on that. Exactly, I think somehow it's kind of like not to say like you know it was kind of like a intended accident that kind of was thrown into the cogs of the story to mm -hmm. pull him out of that as early on because yeah. kind of what follows afterwards is we see Jojo kind of start taking on this new path than yeah. everyone else in his you know peer group kind of went on. Like we have his best friend fat kid with the glasses who definitely kind of becomes like a, a working member on the front lines yeah but you know jojo that's all he's wanted and he's never ever given a chance to do that he's just mm -hmm. like he becomes like demoted to like what was it a, a propaganda poster boy yeah and just, then, just an errand boy essentially yeah and at one point he becomes like a, a scrap metal um uh harvester <laughs> yeah that was actually hilarious when he's wearing like the that robot the, outfit yeah the cardboard robot suit he's and his friend comes and is like jojo and gives him a hug and it's like so <laughs> awkward because he's wearing the cardboard yeah so like and that's actually one thing i liked about the movie is that as dark as a subject as it is like okay we're looking at hitler youth nazis who um are trying to 
you know, pull their weight in the war effort, and especially in just the last few years of the mm-hmm. Third Reich before, you know, World War II ended. So we're kind of seeing it from Joda's perspective of him still trying to impress Hitler. You know, he yeah. wants to impress, you know, his Fuhrer. He wants to impress everybody. And I kind of feel like a lot of his decision-making, a lot of the decision-making I saw, a lot of the action happens in his own home. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the whole impress Hitler thing is kind of spurred on mainly because he's got Hitler as an imagine. Well, it's not really imagination. He's got kind of. It's in, Hitler's in his imagination, so... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's he's and he's he's constantly or Hitler's constantly pressuring Jojo to kind of mm-hmm. do all these different things and mm-hmm. stuff that d- he doesn't really always feel comfortable with, especially as it gets later on in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and actually, uh, that's something I want to talk about. Actually, that's actually one of mm-hmm. my favorite parts of the movie is surprisingly Hitler in this. Yeah, he's great. He's great. Like not it, Hitler, not Hitler, yeah. though, the real person. Just how uh, <laughs> Watiti is playing him. Yeah. Um, and that's actually, I, I think, kind of uh, admirable about Watiti is that he's the director of this. He's the guy who wrote it. He's producing it. Mm-hmm. And he's brave enough to sprout on the Hitler stash and walk around with a SWAT stick uh, and put on this very convincing persona of Hitler. I mean, he is hamming it up for moments. Oh, yeah. But he, and this is kind of so interesting. I kind of felt myself a little endeared to his character. There came at one point, you see how Jojo perceives his fear in his imaginary mm-hmm. friend. Yeah. You see, he's like, okay, Jojo doesn't really have any friends. He doesn't have anyone who's like supporting him except for his mother. But he's looking for some kind of a male role model, yeah. uh, a friend to basically, you know, live up to and impress. And he kind of infuses a lot of like this wish fulfillment in his imaginary friend of Hitler. Yeah. And then what what Titi brings to the table is kind of something new and refreshing, which is, yes, he is bringing, you know, the image of Hitler again to the screen. Yeah. But he's doing it in a way where it's like, you can't hate the guy. He's kind of charming. He's yeah. very charming. Because I mean, like, yeah, I mean, he's not only is he charming in and of himself, but we kind of grow to like him just because he's, he's cheering. Yeah. At the beginning of the film, he's cheering Jojo on, yep. he's, you know, you know, after he gets ridiculed for not killing the rabbit, mm-hmm. he's, he's the one who kind of like picks him back up, gets him back on yeah. his feet. And, Really kind of gets him back out there. What was all that about? They wanted me to kill it. I'm sorry. I couldn't. Don't worry about it. I couldn't care less. But now they call me a scared rabbit. Let them say whatever they want. People used to say a lot of nasty things about me. Oh, this guy's a lunatic. Oh, look at that psycho. He's going to get us all killed. I'll let you in on a little secret. The rabbit is no coward. The humble little bunny faces a dangerous world every day, hunting carrots for his family, for his country. My empire will be full of all animals. Lions, giraffes, zebras, rhinoceroses, octopuses, rhinoctopuses, even the mighty rabbit. Yeah, and actually one thing I kind of felt impressive about that is like, yes, it is like this image of Hitler who's telling him like, Yes, they call you a rabbit, but think of it. A rabbit is wise and swift and is able to get out of danger. So you're mm-hmm. going to live. You're going to survive. Yeah. You won't be one of those oxen who are going to charge into battle. No, you are going to live. And it's so interesting that this is all going in Jojo's head. If you think about it, this is just him processing that kind of trauma he went through, mm-hmm. which is honestly, think about it, it's very, 
it's kind of weird for me to say this, him like using Hitler as a way of like coping <laughs> with a lot of trauma he's going through, but yeah, it's kind of interesting. I mean, the film kind of playfully sets him up as like a celebrity. Yeah. Which is hilarious. That was actually my favorite part. So the opening credits is this wonderful theme where it takes archive footage of Hitler Mm -hmm. touring all of Germany and it's grabbing all these like inserts of girls who are like doing the, you know, the hand salute, but they're running to him like, oh, he's like a Beatles or something like that. Yeah. They, well, they have the Beatles playing over it. I know. So he, it sets him up as this like big celebrity. I know. And that's, it's almost kind of given a side of like, this is how Jojo perceives him because he has posters yeah. of Hitler in his room. Oh, as yeah. if he's like, he's my idol. He's my rock star. I want to live up to him. And it's, yeah. I mean, he's, t- he's talking to his friend Yorkie. He's like, and Yorkie asks, I thought Yao was your best friend. He's like, well, you're number two because Hitler is number one. Yeah, maybe. You're not Hitler, but you're, so you're number two. Yeah, maybe if you were Hitler in a fat kid's body, perhaps. <laughs> and he's like, no, I think I'm just a fat kid. Okay, then you're number two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Poop jokes are always fun. <laughs> um, so a lot of critics out there have been talking about this movie and how it's like, kind of playing off of like what we've seen in the past and how Hitler's been portrayed in satires and comedies. The big one that everyone's been referencing is Charlie Chaplin's The Great Dictator mm-hmm. and just yeah. how Watiti's like really drawing off a lot of inspiration from that. And the same thing with the producers where, you know, a big part of the producers is these bumbling idiots who are trying to produce like the worst musical ever, Springtime for Hitler. And the guy that they recruit as Hitler is this very flamboyant and terrible actor who can't sing for beans. <laughs> um, and so, like, we kind of see in Hollywood, there's been a history of these moments where, you know, Hitler came to the screen and has been mm-hmm. seen in a very comical light. Yeah. In the same way, Watiti's kind of doing this, but he's kind of going the extra mile, I think. I mm-hmm. think he's trying to kind of show, in a way, how a lot of the youth in Germany were trying to see Hitler. Yeah. But also trying yeah. to draw it like, yeah, this is ridiculous. They're just kids with these fantasies of what yeah. Hitler meant to them, but they don't realize what the horrors he was doing. Yeah, I mean, they were really just fed propaganda from like an early age of, you know, Hitler's this great leader of Germany. Everything he does is right. He's, you know, he. There's a rumor going around that he only has one ball. No, he has four. Line <laughs> from the movie, and it's just like, so they're yeah, they're hyping him up to be this incredible, amazing person who's does only good for the German people. Mm-hmm. And in reality, he's literally Hitler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'll, that was like, that was something I took away from this movie that I thought was kind of pretty cool. Every time like we get into talks about with uh, Jojo when he's interacting with the adults and yeah. we see them like talking about Hitler or talking about the Jews. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the way it's staged, the way it's kind of choreographed, it's almost like kids in a schoolyard kind of like spreading gospel rumors. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. oh, I want to be accepted. I have some information. And it's almost like that's kind of what TT's trying to do here. It's like that's what a lot of the Germans at the time were trying to do. It's like they were all part of a big club. Like, oh, we all want to be accepted. Yeah. What rumors have you heard about this? What news have you heard about Hitler for this? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I heard this. And they're like, oh, my gosh, you you can't be serious. So I think this is kind of something interesting. Like maybe I see why what TT was trying to portray the Hitler he was doing in this. is like he's not trying to you know, mock him or like empathize with him. He's just trying to show like what he meant to the people. And just how everyone's state of mind was. Yeah, I guess that as well. But I think he also kind of might have been sort of mocking the people who followed him. Oh, yeah. Who just blindly believe every random rumor and fake story that they heard about him or the Jews and how they're the Jews are these crazy evil monsters with horns. And mm-hmm. They smell like Brussels sprouts, apparently. But 
that kind of changes. And I think there's a big reason why I kind of like how JoJo is immediately taken out of the camp as we did. Yeah. And a lot of then it takes places at his home, yeah. really, like in his bedroom. And actually not really his bedroom, but uh, the movie establishes that he had an elder sister who died. Yes. And um, there's a Jewish girl who's hiding. If you haven't seen the trailers, it's it's kind of given away that this uh, Jewish girl, whose name's Elsa in the movie, is hiding in her best friend's room. We find out, oh, they were best friends before, you know, uh, Hitler came to power. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's kind of interesting how a lot of just the drama, a lot of the character building on JoJo's part goes down in that room. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's pretty much all, most of the, like, very important stuff is just in that room. Mm-hmm. All the dialogue, all the character building, that room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just like the character building in that is very interesting because when he's first introduced to Elsa's character, he yeah. sees her as like, I should fear you because you're like an alien. And yeah. actually the first, when we're introduced to her and it's almost shot like a horror film and he comes across her yeah. and he just scurries out of there. Yeah. It's very much shot the same way where he, we're trying to show like, oh, he sees her as like a monster. And then as we go on, he's trying to write a book about like, tell me everything you know about the Jews. Yeah. I mean- the film portrays her in the way in the way that Jojo sees her, because mm-hmm. he sees her at the beginning when he first meets her as this horrible monster that's going to take control and mind control him. Mm-hmm. And then as the film progresses and Jojo kind of learns who she really is and whatnot, we it portrays her more and more and more, of course, as a person. Mm-hmm. It's not using some creepy some creepy angles crawling up into the rafters and whatnot, but mm-hmm. just more kind of uh, humane. Yeah. Shots. And also there's a way that they're communicating with each other, which I thought was interesting. Because mm-hmm. I guess like early on, Elsa kind of like tries to assert her dominance over JoJo. It's like, yeah. I'm stronger, you're weaker. Yeah, she took and, his knife. And so she's she's the one who kind of holding the power. And then there's a, a tactic that JoJo finds out. He finds out, oh, she had a fiance. And um, I'm going to use that in writing love letters. Like, I received these love letters from your fiancé who surprisingly would mail them here without getting my mom and you endangered. <laughs> yeah. He, I guess he didn't really think that one through. But of course not. He's 10. <laughs> no. But then he's, like, using this as a way of, like, communicating to her and really getting to her. Yeah. Like, there's early on where he kind of – he writes a, a very – discreet kind of like offensive letters like oh nathan wrote this letter and he says he doesn't want to marry you mm-hmm. and then immediately when he sees like the hurt he caused her he writes another letter he's like hey this is nathan again i sorry i do want to still marry you blah 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 yeah and you can see this is his uh way of like saying i didn't mean to hurt your feelings kind of kind of what i'm saying like how the f- how we're seeing elsa mm-hmm. in the way that jojo sees her you know that that does change throughout the movie mm-hmm. when he sees her he's She's a monster, and then after he writes the letter, he sees that she's actually hurt, mm-hmm. and he sees her more as a human with mm-hmm. actual human emotions. And mm-hmm. so he kind of changes his, uh, I guess, tactic. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he still uses the same way of communicating with her. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I think he's. I mean, obviously, he's a kid, and he doesn't want to admit, like, you know, these are my feelings for you, so this is my way of vehicling or channeling that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I thought it was a nice, clever way, and I think I haven't read the book that this uh, movie is based off of, uh, Caging Skies, but more or less, that's the same thing that was used in it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But kind of going yeah. back to, like, how a lot of the drama falls in the bedroom there, there's a scene that happens towards the very end where these inspectors come to investigate, Yeah. and the biggest scene i remember feeling the most tension for was in that room 
Oh yeah. I don't want to give it away, but like we bring all these characters into there and we realize, wow, one thing could make or break this scene. And the yeah. way it was handled was like, it was done very well because they're trying to cover each other's tales, but at the same time, some truth are being revealed where, oh, Jojo didn't want this to get out, but it did. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's played for comedy. It's played for tension. It's played for drama. It's like, yeah. there's a lot of stuff going on in that scene. Yeah. I mean, you're going to, you obviously, you know, you can cut the tension with a knife for that scene, but there's still a few good laughs in it actually as well. So, oh, yeah. But even then, it doesn't really take away from you know, what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that scene was, that was kind of the culmination of really like everything leading up mm-hmm. in that room just to that scene. Mm-hmm. And it's done. And then it's done. Yep. Well, kind of after that, we kind of see a change in the movie. It goes less from like, you know, it being kind of like comedy and situational to we kind of start witnessing the horrors of this war. We kind of see like what befalls mm-hmm. in this town, Yeah, what happens to Jojo. You, you kind of go in thinking, oh, this is going to be a very lighthearted you know, tale, but it then hits a lot of emotion towards yeah. the very end. Mm-hmm. And I think as I was kind of sitting there, I was like, okay, this could either make or break the audience. Like this could be something like they could see it coming a mile away or they get so endeared to Jojo and his journey that when this hits them, it, you can feel it. And I don't know, I yeah. want to ask you, um, Alex, did that kind of impacted you the way that it probably did for the rest of us? Not really. Okay. It didn't It didn't hit me as hard. And it's not because I saw it coming, because mm-hmm. I, to be honest, I didn't really see it coming. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it just, it just didn't hit me as hard as it probably should have. And I kind of realized that watching it too. I was just like, oh shit, we're at this kind of scene. Yep. All mm-hmm. right. Um, but it just didn't work as well. Yeah. I think it kind of just jumped into it real quick and there wasn't a whole lot of lead up and maybe kind of like one mention of it here mm-hmm. of, you know, that might clue you in. But other than that, there really wasn't a whole lot else. Yeah. I think at that point, it kind of became a, a bit of a, a weird mishmash of like dabbling back and forth between humor just to keep the scenes lighthearted yeah and it just being kind of just horrific yeah um especially like at the climax when the city's kind of falling to the russians and the americans Mm -hmm. they kind of were doing that constantly like they're trying to throw in here's a gag and here's something horrible and here's another gag and here's something horrible yeah and it's it became a point where i was like ah i feel like it should have just stuck with one thing I, i agree yeah I for me, I personally would have liked to see him do just go more into the comedy aspect of it. Which, to be honest, there was some comedy. Oh yeah, in yeah. It. But I mean, go full fledged into it, yeah. Rather than like, here's a joke. Now look, someone's dying on the street. Yeah, it's which just it, like it kind of. Ah. But there was like this one gag in it, which. It, it kind of surprised me. I think both you and me were, yeah. you know, uh, Rebel Wilson's character is gathering up all the Hitler youth to kind of beat the last infantry to kind of like go out there and serve your country. Yeah. And she's like, uh, ties a hand grenade to this kid and says, oh, wait, well, you're going to see American. You're going to run up to him and give him a hug. And you realize like, oh, my gosh, you made a bomb out of this kid. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, but it's horrifying at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> so I guess the, the kind of that kind of stuff worked. But yeah. throughout the rest of the movie, it kind of did this weird balance of like, you know, trying to keep it lighthearted, try to keep it heavy. And I yeah. kind of feel like it should have kind of gone in the heavy direction because you think of Jojo and what he mm-hmm. kind of went through after the end of the second act yeah, and what that meant for his loss. And it's like, you really should have just held on to that. Don't make lighthearted of a situation um, 
especially after that point. But I think they just had to just because in a way it's kind of the message of the movie. It's like, you know, when the world it hits you like that, just keep dancing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fair. Yeah. I, I, I kind of think about it more now. It, it would have been nice to see it go in more of a more serious tone. Mm-hmm. It definitely would have left more of an impact, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's not only just that scene and just the general chaos of, you know, the Americans and the Russians invading Germany and just completely decimating their troops. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there there is the scene of one of the other main characters in the film kind of not naming the character, but kind of getting into spoilers, mm-hmm. essentially giving up his own life for, yep. for Jojo's safety. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, again, just didn't really strike me as much it was it was a good scene and i really liked it and um you know it was perfect for kind of what i wanted for that character and what i wanted for jojo Mm -hmm. but it wasn't that um that much of an emotional bomb as Mm -hmm. as i think it could have been yeah and i think a big part of that was um the way this movie is handled like you know you're dealing with a huge um um, cast of like children in this and it's like you cannot let them kind of go through as much of like the horrible stuff that was kind of going on the screen. Like the fact that, you know, they kind of just shot this with certain windows that they could like show, okay, Jojo's running through the streets while they're being attacked and you're seeing this much of the war. But it's like, I think with, uh, you know, some of these characters that he interacts with at the very end, yeah, there's a lot of more story that's going behind the scenes that we don't never ever get to see. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason why it kept it so limited or you didn't see what happens on screen is because one, keeping the, kid actors away from you know experiencing something like that on screen but yeah. two also kind of like to show you have to retain some innocence in jojo you have to retain some of the innocence in the audience to realize yeah you can connect the dots you know what's going to happen yeah and so maybe that's the reason like why there's not so much of an emotional impact i think for me a big reason why there wasn't a, an emotional impact is i kind of seen that already in a movie called life is beautiful which is another you know movie that I think this movie draws a lot of inspiration from. Mm-hmm. And that might be already a dead giveaway. I think I just spoiled it for what that scene is. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, we'll have to see if we can axe that up. But you're right. It's I think like there are those emotional beats, but because they're trying to crop it, yeah, for lack of a better word, you don't get as much as the on-screen you know, impact. True. It, a yeah. lot of it derives from Jojo as the actor kind of pulling that off, which I'm going to give the kid props. He did a pretty good job for being a 10-year-old kid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was was good. I liked him. Why does everyone keep telling me that? Who else tells you that? Everyone. Anyway, it's a stupid idea. You're stupid. Love is the strongest thing in the world. I think you'll find that metal is the strongest thing in the world, followed closely by dynamite and then muscles. Besides, I wouldn't even know it if I saw it. Oh, Cho Cho, you'll know when it happens. You'll feel it. It's a pain. My ass, I bet. In your tummy, like, like you're full of butterflies. Yuck. Yeah, yuck. I want to go into talking about this um, other thing that the movie explores. So if anyone's kind of watched this movie or has seen the movie or seen the trailers, you see a big factor of it is acceptance and choices that you make you know jojo obviously he wants to be accepted by his fellow comrades and so a lot of his choices early on are based around that towards the very end he comes torn of like okay what choice should i make because 
there are consequences with it. There's mm -hmm. this fear of like, you know, um, I can make this decision and then I can hide away at home and be okay. Yeah. But, you know, when, you know, the war comes into your home and the choices or decisions you make have consequences. Yeah. That becomes huge. You know, everyone else is following the rest of the group. Yeah. But he's kind of then left to his own decision of like, what should I do in this? And he's in a tough position. He's on the fence. Yeah. So do you think like this movie is saying something about that, about when we're presented with that? That they're not going to be easy decisions to make. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's kind of in during that time. That's what everyone was following the group. There mm -hmm. was the, he was following the group for a good part of the movie, too. He mm -hmm. had the posters up. He was, you know, talking to his imaginary best friend, Hitler. Mm -hmm. And he was completely sold on it. Mm -hmm. But then, yeah, after after a little while, he kind of realized that, you know, following the group may not be the best option mm -hmm. just because everyone's caught up in it and everyone's doing it. Mm -hmm. And you kind of really need to think critically for yourself and consider, you know, what what you think is right. Mm -hmm. and, that, and that's what he did and, this, and was given the chance to, especially and having to deal with Elsa being, um, you know, in his room. Yeah. No, I think that was actually a big thing that the whole movie was trying to do is, you know, he's in, put so much investment in him trying to impress the Fuhrer. And then towards the very end, it's changed. We see what he's kind of gone through, what he thought the Third Reich was going to promise him, and it hasn't. And really him just trying to hold on to something tangible at that point. Yeah. And I think he finds that, or at least the ones who are around him, who knows, hey, you need this. Mm -hmm. um, they give it to him. Yeah. In subtle ways, in ways that maybe he doesn't understand at the point at that time. But it's, I think, a big reason why he's kind of the reason why you know, he gets as far into the movie as he has. Yeah. But we're getting into some heavy territory right here. <laughs> um, were there any other things you wanted to talk about with Jojo Rabbit? Like, um, I think one of, one of the things I noticed when watching it, and I think one of the things that you noticed as well in watching it, mm -hmm. um, was this looks like a Wes Anderson movie, honestly. Yeah, I know it, it really did. did. <laughs> the soundtrack, kind of like yep. the color palette that we're going with. Oh, yeah, yeah, the color palette, absolutely. But even more so, some of the shot setups. Like, I was noticing the whole crane kind of tracking shots that are happening. Yeah. There's mm -hmm. one shot in particular, I think, when Jojo's, like, on the front lines and he's you know, running and he goes and crawls down into this crawl space. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's totally Wes Anderson right there. Yeah, absolutely. And it just, the, the camera just tracks him and just, like, yeah, absolutely. Like I said, the color palette, there's mm -hmm. the clothes that they wear. It totally looks like it would be a Wes Anderson movie. Mm -hmm. Which kind of makes me wonder what a Wes Anderson Nazi film would have looked like. <laughs> it was kind of my first impression when I saw it. I was like, oh, is this Wes Anderson? Um, one, one other thing that I wanted to mention is I kind of wish they used the film's title a little bit more. Oh, Jojo Rabbit? Rabbit, yeah. I okay. Wish met, I wish they had kind of talked about that a little bit more because it was like it was a big moment in the, in the beginning of the film you uh -huh. know, he was he was jojo rabbit and yeah he was gonna outsmart mm -hmm. everyone else and he's gonna live which kind of does happen i mean it's not saying it does not live up to that but it does but like the rabbit part is never brought up again and i kind of wish they had mentioned that or brought it not necessarily i kind of actually think it did so okay so this is another spoiler mm -hmm. um at the very end of the movie jojo is left with no one yeah um, and he is left with Elsa and there's a wonderful, interesting scene that happens where he comes back to the bedroom and she's hiding in the wall and she says, Jojo, what's going on? Is the war over? And he says, yeah, we won. 
but you have to stay. And he's flipping through his book he made. Um, yeah. And there's that one picture he comes across with him with a rabbit in yeah, a cage. And okay. I realize now, yeah, that's right. okay, so that's I that's a rabbit, that. but it's a different transformation of what that imagery now is. Yeah. And what I think it becomes now is it's Jojo trying to lock away his innocence or his basically his life. It's like, I want to keep something in my life still. And he's kind of treating Elsa in that way. Yeah. So oh, it's yeah. like either I can keep it locked up like this or I can let it free and see if it comes back. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very interesting thing with the whole Jojo rabbit imagery. Like, yeah. you know, a rabbit is going to, as Hitler puts in the movie, a rabbit is fierce because he runs and he survives. Yeah. I guess what Jojo's wondering is, if I let it run, is it going to come back? And I think that's what he was treating like Elsa. It's like, is am I going to keep that one thing of love in my life caged still? Or am I going to let that flourish? Yeah. And I think that's the whole message at the end is everything he's gone through, he has the choice now to either keep it bottled up and not let it out again or to share it with the world. And I think he makes the right decision in the end. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Evidently. And I think that's where the whole imagery of rabbit comes back into the picture. That's right. Yeah. Okay. uh, So closing thoughts. Um, I, I kind of like the movie. Obviously, it hits the right kind of tone of, you know, whimsical, you know, lighthearted yeah. drama and comedy. I mean, towards the very end, I, I kind of felt like there was like a, a weird mishmash of trying to light heart in a very serious mood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think with a lot of critics, they'll kind of say, oh, this is ripping off, uh, you know, everything we've seen from the producers to the great dictator. Yeah. But I disagree. I actually think uh, Takiwatiti, what he's doing in this is he's bringing something new to the table. Obviously, building off of like what we've seen in the past, but I mm-hmm. think he's bringing a nice coming of age story about some kid who doesn't recognize evil at first, and then begins to slowly understand this is what evil really is. It's not so much of what I perceived it to be mm-hmm. and what I was told but this is the actual face of it. And what is love then? What is something I should love up to? So I think it tells a good story of that. Yeah. And I think it's still something like, you know, even if people are tired of seeing Nazis and Hitler being made fun of on screen, it's still like, give this a shot. Yeah, I, I agree. Give us, give it a shot. I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, it wasn't something I was completely enamored with, but it was still, it was enjoyable while I watched it. There was never really a time. There was never really a dull moment or a time where I was kind of felt like it was dragging on. Uh, but it didn't hit as emotionally hard as I could have, as I um, you know maybe would have hoped it had. But it does hit those beats. It is still you know it's fun. The co- you know the humor is there. It's great. Um, Watiti is fantastic as Hitler. I think he's a standout, of course, of the film. Um, so yeah, all in all, it's it's fun, it's lighthearted, it's easygoing, it's it's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I if I wouldn't necessarily say it's something you definitely need to see on the big screen. So you may you can definitely wait until it comes out on streaming or you know DVD and find and find it there. But if you're bored, I'd say definitely watch it. Why not? So does this make you want to for the next Halloween uh, try to don on the whole Hitler? No, definitely nope. <laughs> not. I don't, I'm not going to do that. But no. Watiti, he did it so much fun. Come on. Yeah, but he's in a movie. I'm not going to go walking around <laughs> as Hitler on the streets, man. Oh man, I wonder what been on set because like Watiti had some balls. He had oh, some yeah. fourth <laughs> ball going on there to try and pull that off. 
<laughs> yeah, true. Okay. I can imagine him just joking around on set all the time. That would have been that would have been fun to be around. Do you want to know why my pants are so big? It's so I can basically fit all my balls in here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I think that wraps up our you know take on Jojo Rabbit. So. Mm-hmm. I guess next week or the following week, we're going to try to do that review of The Lighthouse because we have yep. a lot to you know unravel with that one. There's a lot to unpack with that movie. Oh, my gosh. And yeah. I know like we're waiting for Joe to finally see it. So once he's kind of set up a time, we'll get that mm-hmm. recorded. But that should be a lot of fun. Yep. So, Alex, where can people find you? All right. Well, um, you can check out a lot of the old uh, not only Film Alerts episodes of Joe and I, but you know, we've got a good number of podcasts in our back catalog as well now, so you can find that all on filmilliterates.com. Um, if you want to find out, you know, kind of follow along with what I'm listening to, I'm on Rate Your Music at Half Scrim. Same thing on uh, my anime list and Letterboxd. So you can find everything I'm checking out there. Sweet. Um, and you can find me on uh, here at filmalliterates.com. I do these podcasts and videos with these two guys. Um, I also am on Instagram under Nathan underscore Stone underscore Films, as well as Starlord underscore Rules. Um, but yeah, um, and for future, if you guys want to check out the website, it's www.filmalliterates.com. You can also check on the Facebook um, as well as Twitter and uh, if you're interested in what Joe's watching, he's at letterbox.com slash film illiterates. So you yeah, can check out what there. he's been watching. But yeah, that concludes everything. So everyone, uh, keep watching movies and take it easy. Keep it easy. It's Joe's thing.